those dishes I asked you to do last night? And my answer to them always was, I'll do it later. So my parents gave me a, well, I would say a loving title. They call me Mr. Manana. (laughs) So I come with a long history of procrastination. And uh, I had that until I got into seminary. I got into seminary, I realized that day has got to be over for a lot of reasons. And uh, my life has changed partly because of the need, but also because of what I read in the scriptures about today, how important today is in our life. Um, I want to talk with you about procrastination. Um, My thoughts and the thoughts that we're going to talk today are really for the young. Anyone under 75. But especially to some of the younger ones here with us. It's really interesting that the scriptures um, address different audiences and age groups and so forth. But Solomon is going to speak directly to the youth because of what he has learned from his life. But let's ask first, what is procrastination? Well, procrastination is the bad habit of putting off till tomorrow what can and should be done today. That's a hard lesson to learn, but it is certainly one to keep in mind. Benjamin Franklin said, you may delay, but time will not And lost time is never found again. That's because life is a gift. And it's good for today. Abraham Lincoln, who was a young man went to school with. Just kidding. uh, Said this about procrastination. You cannot escape the responsibilities of tomorrow by evading it today. These are things that are hard to learn, but must be learned if we are to have a productive and a joyful life, is how to use today. And uh, what promotes procrastination? I've identified a few. First, and I think foremost, is the fear. The fear of failure. A lot of people don't do what needs to be done because they're afraid they'll fail. I believe that that happens because of anxiety. And Jesus spoke to that, to all ages. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day. That is, today is its own trouble. Take care of what is before us today. But also, there is the tendency to be overwhelmed by the unknown. That would be, if you would, uh, the lack of faith, the lack of uh, understanding. Then there's perfectionism. Perfectionism at the expense of others. There's also poor self-discipline, especially the discipline of time. Another thing that affected me 
is a lack of clear vision and priorities. It's when you're consumed with yourself. Thinking maybe less of others or of things that need to be done. Then there is one I've identified as well as false hope. The false hope in providence, hoping somebody else will do what we should do. If I don't do it, maybe somebody else will do it. Uh, These things factor into procrastination. King Solomon is the author of the book of Ecclesiastes. And he wrote this book at about the age of 60. So some of the things he will talk about, I think, are relating to his own experience, his own life as he's writing. Um, He wrote this at about the age of 60, and what he learned over those years, he passes on to us. And sadly, he looked back at his life with great regret. Regret because he turned his heart away from the Lord. He was a well-driven man who aimed high, but ended up low. As a young man, the Lord truly blessed him and granted him the gift of wisdom, unparalleled. Uh, And this wisdom made him renowned, made him powerful, gave him prominence in the eyes of the world, And he owned extraordinary possessions. But later, later in his life, he had what some might call a midlife crisis. And it was characterized or began by marrying foreign women. People who did not share his faith. And that turned him away from the Lord. And for this, he paid a very high price. He was, he was driven by this sense of a self-consuming passion to satisfy every one of his increasing desires at any cost. And he followed the desires of his darkened heart and left behind a trail of disaster. At the end of his life, and I can imagine Solomon in his palace, looking out the window into the city of Jerusalem. And there he could see the beauty, the beauty of the buildings and the temple that were built there. But he could also see the devastation he left behind in the kingdom. A family in complete disarray. A man who left his nation filled with idolatry. And his nation was in the midst of economic disaster. And he left behind maybe more discouraged than anything was a legacy of regret. How sad. To live with regret. In his old age, Solomon never wore a shirt that read, old men rule. I don't own one of those, but I'd like to come up with a new sweatshirt or shirt for men that says, old men drool. 
I think that would have more reality attached to it than old men rule. And his sad conclusion for living a life apart from God is contained in this book. It's repeated. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity under the sun. By that he meant that without God, all was temporal, empty, and fleeting. He described his life as chasing after the wind until he was exhausted and never arrived at a place of satisfaction. Matter of fact, the faster he ran, the faster his pace, the more he became lost. His misplaced desires left him feeling empty. He wanted to feel full, satisfied, but he could never get that satisfaction. There was a song once, can't get that satisfaction. He never got that satisfaction when he turned from the Lord. However, in this book he concludes that not everything in life is worthless. Yes, pain and problems are inevitable, but misery is optional. Solomon's theology, and he does have one in this book, is tucked in and behind his description of striving after the wind. It's there, you have to look for it. And in this book, he presents God as all good and certainly sovereign over everything. He believed God was good, and that is his point of reference. I think Solomon may have had in mind the words of his father as he writes this book later in his life. Psalm 31, 15. O Lord, you are my God, and my times, my life, my days, are in your hand. What if we lived that way? Solomon concluded that life passes by very quickly while we're making other plans. And that is why Solomon closes this book with a passionate plea, especially to the next generation, maybe even his own kids. He hoped they could learn, learn from his mistakes, as well benefit from his blessings when he returned to the Lord later in his life. He urged the youth to live today. Don't put any off till tomorrow. Live today for the glory of God. Don't procrastinate and don't delay. Every stage and season of life has a purpose. Don't rush them. He advised the young to build a strong foundation for their lives. Built on their faith that God is good. And that God is sovereign over all things. You see, a joyous lifestyle he will maintain in this book is not 
so much a result of chance. But it is a direct result of making right choices early in life. He urged his readers to remember what they learned in the dark days of adversity because there would certainly come future days of difficulty. Now, Psalm is not a pessimist. He is a realist. And he believed God, as I said, is sovereign over all things, every part of his life, every day, wherever he goes. You see, history is going somewhere. He realized that. History is going somewhere, and God is directing everything, even my life, to accomplish his eternal purpose. Solomon began to understand that, that it's, yeah, he has his life, but his life is in the hands of God. Life under the sun is brief, and it's fleeting, but it's not without purpose. Therefore, the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, Solomon's Journal of Wisdom, is a fitting and important call to decisive living, to make a decision today to live your life with the wisdom of God for the glory of God. Solomon is a man calling for urgency. He concludes, act now. Don't wait. Say, oh, when I get older, I'll do this. But act today. Make choices today that will affect your future. Do it now while you're in good health. Before you die, obviously. And before you stand in judgment. Those are three things we're going to talk about here this morning. Now he begins with this exhortation to remember. Remember the Lord before the difficult days come. That's today. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 and 2. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days or the difficult days come. And the years draw near of which you will say. I have no pleasure in them. What a sad thing to end up as Solomon did. Saying, you know, I just don't find any pleasure anymore. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. He's a poet and uses these images to say, do it today before, well, while there is sun, while there's life. Remember your creator in your youth. The exhortation must be important to him because he repeats the same exhortation in verse 6 of this chapter. Believing that God is our creator admits that he has a purpose for each of us. How sad that our educational system advocates that we're not created, but some chance some spark, some coincidence has brought us into existence. That eliminates what he's saying. 
He's saying, remember that your God is your creator. And each child of God has a special place in his heart. Because we are his creatures. He has the right to our life. Now, not just later. He created us for his glory. And when we glorify him according to his purpose, here's the amazing thing. We will find joy that he intended for us. He intends for us to find joy in the midst of these days. But the way we find that joy is what? Glorifying God. He's saying, remember your creator before the prime of life is gone. Remember the Lord before the difficult days come and you say, I have no pleasure in them. Here's a guy who exhausted himself doing everything he pleased to do. And he looks back and I found that it's all said and done. I have no lasting pleasure in those things. Every day we awake from sleep offers us life. A series of choices. Either we will live for the glory of God or we will misdirect our passions for things that lead to vain or empty pursuits. We can choose today to find our joy in Christ or to to pursue fleeting pleasures. Remember him as well before time runs out And you wished you'd live differently. It's one of the saddest things I've heard as a pastor when I go to, let's say, a bedside of someone who's dying, is to hear him utter these words. I wish. I wish I would have. I wish I told my spouse how much I love her. I wish I have treated my kids differently. I wish I wouldn't have done this. I wish I could have done that. Sad. That's who Solomon is speaking to here this morning. He's speaking to Mr. Manana. The time to consider these things is now. While the sun is shining... And before dark storm clouds come over our heads. Notice again the urgency perceived by Solomon as he speaks to us. He's urging his readers, don't waste your life chasing after worthless things. Things that are temporal. But rather pursue what is most worthwhile and enduring. What's going to last? What's going to be the, wor- the best way to invest my life? In other words, today's the day. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes 9.10, not just to the youth, but I think to all of us, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol. You know what Sheol means? The grave. 
to which you are going, to which we're all going. What a harsh reality. We're all going to die. Uh, that is, it's a harsh reality unless you understand what death provides for those who know Christ. Next, he poetically described inevitable days ahead, days of age, that are going to come to all of us. All of us. Not some, but all of us. Now, the things he described may not affect every one of us, but he is kind of giving a sort of a, like a stereotype of what could be. Uh, his analogies are that he gives to us of what old age can be is that of an aging, dilapidated house. And the reason he gives us these exhortations, these analogies, is to act. Consider what he's saying. Consider what is being said this, this morning. This is our day. This is the day of salvation. This is the day to make choices that will affect the rest of your life, your marriage, your work, your family. I still remember a popular song when I was a young boy. It's entitled, This Old House. Now, most of you will not remember that because you never heard it. I want to give you the words you say, I'm glad I didn't hear it. It was a uh, country western song, and I'm not always big on country western. Um, it was sung by a man who came to be a Christian, Stuart Hamblin. And the words that he writes compare a dilapidated old house to a man later in his life. Here's the words. I won't sing it. So, This old house once knew his children. This old house once knew his wife. This old house was home and comfort as they fought the storms of life. This old house once rang with laughter. This old house heard many shouts. Now he trembles in the darkness when the lightning walks about. This old house is getting shaky. This old house is getting old. This old house lets in the rain. This old house lets in the cold. Oh, his knees are getting chilly. But he, he ain't going to need this house no longer. Ain't a going to need this house no more. Ain't got time to fix the shingles. Ain't got time to fix the floor. Ain't got time to oil the hinges, nor to mend no window panes. Ain't going to need this house no longer. And he concludes... He's getting ready to meet his fate. This old house. Well, I'm kind of living that song right now. Presently, not only do I own an old home that continually needs repairs, but I'm beginning to feel like an old house. Houses are a lot like people. 
The paint of the exterior of a house chips away after years in the sun, and uh, so does the skin on the face of a SoCal young man. Shingles mean more than roofing. Plumbing in homes and people tend to clog and termites eat away in the attic. Floors warp and doors sag. Excuse me, a little bit like uh, my belt is trying to keep in. And gas leaks in your home can be dangerous to those who live around you. No personal comment. And the analogy just keeps going on and on. But older homes are also like older people. They have a charm. Some are declared historical treasures. Gaffney Nguyen writes about the opportunities of age. Listen carefully as I read it. Aging is one of the most human processes one can, that can, can be denied only with great harm. Every man and woman who has discovered or rediscovered his or her own aging has a unique opportunity to enrich the quality of his or her own life and that of every fellow human being. Age does not have to require us to say, I find no more pleasure. One 80-year-old man, when asked what it was like to grow old, commented, It is as though walking down the avenue of a fairly, as a fairly young man, I was suddenly kidnapped, rushed into a theater, and made to put on the gray hair, the wrinkles, and the other attributes of age, and then they wheeled me on stage. And behind the appearance of age, I'm the same person, with the same thoughts as when I was younger. It's been said that time marches on and waits for no one. You've heard that? It's also been said that over a number of years you look in the mirror and you say, time not only marches on, but it marched right over my face. My mother had a great sense of humor. And in her old age, she said, You know, honey, I'm just glad and thankful that wrinkles don't hurt. And so am I. Solomon used creative, poetic imagery to urge us to act today on the most important decisions of your life. Don't wait tomorrow for tomorrow. Why? You may not have tomorrow. You may have wasted your life. Now let's look at this series of uh, images and we'll go through them quickly. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble. He said, remember the Lord. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid 
also of what is high, and terrors are in the way or on the road. The almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails. What he's saying is, young person, today is the time to make your choice for Christ. Before some of these things characterize your life. Here's some of the analogies he uses and I'll try to give quick meanings to them. Remember the Lord, your creator, before the keepers of the house tremble, which means before your arms and your hands become weak. One time you used to carry your wife, guys, over the threshold. Maybe you did. Maybe you tried that. You used to carry your kids around with you. And now, you can't. Remember the Lord before strong men stoop. This happens when our legs become weak. We begin to walk, bent over as if we're leaning in or against a strong gust of wind. Definitely don't forget the Lord before the grinders cease, because they are few. This guy has a sense of humor, actually. He's urging us to act decisively before we see our teeth smiling back at us in a glass of water. And definitely don't forget the Lord before the windows grow dim. I think you can get that one. Before the prescription on your glasses no longer work. And you may need cataract surgery. Don't forget the Lord before the doors of the, sh- of the street are shut. Because someday the screech of your hearing aid will drive you crazy. And you will get angry at your spouse because they can't hear us. And we can't remember what it is we were asking them to do. Remember the Lord before the sound of the grinding is low. Because someday we may have to eat alone, gumming our soft food. Before you get to this age is the time to consider the Lord. He says, before all the daughters are brought low. Before the daughters of song. Wow. Or sound. He seems to be making a reference to when the music of life stops. And our pulse lowers. And then we dutifully every day check our, our blood pressure and heartbeat to make sure we're still alive. He's a man who is also aware of the fear of heights and travel. Remember the Lord before that day comes. This happens when we're afraid of climbing up and down stairs and we're driving in a car on the freeway. When you do that at this stage of life many times, it seems like we're on the Indianapolis Speedway. 
I know my mom would not drive a car at a certain stage. She was done. My dad kept thinking he should, and we said he shouldn't. Uh, this growing up, growing old, is, is really a crack up. <laughs> this week I was walking my dog on the uh, beach trail in St. Clemente. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a wonderful walk. And three attractive young women came alongside me and my dog. And one said, you're so cute. And I replied, thank you. (laughs) And to be honest with you, I was really trying to respond, say thanks for recognizing, you know, how awesome my dog is. And one of the women replied back, just the dog. And then walked away. I was devastated. I find no pleasure in life. Now, 60 years ago, and I can still remember some things that far back, I felt absolutely energetic and invincible. And not today. I used to be able to stuff a basket with two hands. I used to high jump six foot four, run a 440 hurdle race, work all day, and play late into the night. And now, well, I carry out the trash and I stuff the trash in a basket. I skillfully use my TV remote very well. I diligently work on my computer, and then I crash at 10 o'clock. And going out no longer means a night out on the town. But it's something that happens to my back. It goes out. Solomon says, don't wait till the almond tree blossoms. Make a decision before your hair turns gray if you even end up with hair. And before the grasshopper drags itself along. That's sometimes what it feels like when you're aging. You're just motoring along. Solomon is describing somebody who's shuffling with their bedroom slippers on down a corridor in a convalescent home. And I've been there too many times to watch my family there. Now, it's kind of a little bit of irony here in some of his admonitions. Here's a guy who had 300 wives in disobedience to the Lord. And he's admonishing us, he's admonishing the youth to remember the Lord in the prime of life before what? Romance diminishes. When it diminishes and you forget what it's like to love your spouse. Now, Psalm is telling you that like it is, whether we want to hear this or not. The time to begin a joyous lifestyle is now. Especially while you're young, while you're healthy, and before difficult days come. Listen to the psalmist 
The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar planted by the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of... They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green to declare the Lord is right. God has given to me sap. I'm a sap. I am so grateful that there's still some sap left in me. He's been gracious to me. And there's some wonderful blessings in the difficult days. You may know what they are. Proverbs 17, 6 says, Grandchildren are the crown of old men. And the glory of sons is their father. One grandparent enjoyed his grandchildren so much that he said, I wish I'd had them first. (laughs) One of the true joys of my life are my three daughters. I love those ladies. They're special. They're unique. As well as 14 grandchildren. Some are married. Some bring home boyfriends and girlfriends. And boy, do I check them out when they come home. Some play sports. I try to attend those. Some ride bikes. Some collect frogs and lizards. But they all like to play with their iPad and their iPhone. So now, they don't call me pastor. They call me poppy. I love to hear that. That's who I want to be, is Poppy. Not manana, but Poppy. So now we still have, while we have sufficient physical and mental mental capabilities, take advantage of these years. Parents, let me advise you and exhort you, do that now. Take advantage of these years. Treasure the good memories that we gain in family and by glorifying the Lord. One of my grandchildren, who was very close to me, was struggling in a life crisis. He had made some very poor choices. We met together and he said, Poppy, what do we do? My life is just turned upside down. Here's my advice. Pretty simple, straightforward. I dedicated you to the Lord when he was a baby, an infant. And God gave you a purpose. You are living contrary to that purpose. And the more you go against God's purpose for your life, you will continue to feel unfulfilled. So line up your life according to God's purpose that he revealed to you. And then you will find joy. I'm here on the sideline cheering for you. I'll be praying for a redirection in your life. That's how my parents uh, advised me. They were always on my side, even though they deeply disagreed with some of the choices I was making. 
Most of our misery in life comes from knowing the right thing to do, but not doing it. It's hard for young people to discover the harsh reality of life, that it isn't fair, nor is it easy, and then you die. Why remember the Lord today? He says, because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets like mourning for you. That day will come. Now this can sound like a harsh downer for this morning. A harsh reality. But it's especially a harsh reality for those who have forgotten their Redeemer, their Creator, their God, who've turned away from Him. But to us, I, I don't look forward to dying, but I'll be honest, I'm looking forward to death. I have more people on the other side now that are waiting for me. One being Christ, Solomon, and I have a family. The thought of that gives me hope as we press on. I'm going to put a peg down here because it's so important that you have time to think. It's so important that you have time to consider the bread and the cup. Today's the day of our salvation. Don't count on tomorrow. Don't leave undone what should and you could do today. This table is a reminder to us. Don't be a manana man. Be a today person. Your Savior died and today is the day of our salvation. If you're like my grandson who made some poor choices and you haven't repented of those choices, this table also is a reminder that there's grace, love, forgiveness. Some of you may be here this morning and going, well, I, uh, I'm doing the best I can do and I don't know what else. All I think the Lord is asking is just say, I'm available. Just offering the availability of your life. You're the creator. I'm the creature. You're the father. I'm your child. Take my life. Empower me to do what you call me to do. Let me know what my purpose is for life and then let me run as fast and as hard as I can to complete the race. As we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, I want you to consider the words here of one shepherd that Solomon mentions, and that one shepherd is Christ. Listen to these words about our shepherd. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated 
at the right hand of the throne of God. That's where he is now. These things I have spoken that my joy may abide in you, dwell in you, and that your joy may be made full. Did you ever stop to think that God's purpose for your life is to glorify him so that you might find joy? The cross was his joy. It was his joy because he was obeying his father and he was doing it out of love for us. All those who have placed their faith in Christ alone, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection, are welcome to come to this table. If you've not repented of your sin, if you have uh, been procrastinating, your life your obedience to Christ, then maybe it's best, as the scriptures say, to let the bread and the cup pass by. Why? Because in taking of the bread and the cup in an unworthy way, it says it brings judgment upon herself. But I have a better idea. If any of you are procrastinating, don't do it. I just ask you to do this. Call upon the name of the Lord, and what? You'll be saved then you enter into this meal and you begin to understand the gift of life and forgiveness that comes from Christ. We're going to uh, prepare now to take of the bread and the cup. There will be those who will come down here in front to help pass these elements to you. Um, We're asking you to come to the middle. They'll dismiss you by rows to come to the middle, take the bread and the cup, and then return to the sides and then back to your place uh, that you have been seated. Uh, Do not take of the elements until all have been served, and then we'll take them together. Let me pray for the elements right now. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is, uh, is like a goad that prompts us, encourages us to do the right thing. Bless now the bread and the cup and those who come. May people who are considering Christ even now, may they have faith and a faith that comes from you. That they may have joy and a long life of fulfillment. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.